Welcome back to Redeemable. I am your host, Josh Hornberger. Let's get right into it. Let me ask you a question. Do you like poetry? Nine times out of 10, the answer is no. And I completely understand why. Poetry isn't my favorite thing either, especially the new slam poetry. I don't think anyone outside of school who's under the age of 25 reads poetry for their own enjoyment. But if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be Robert Frost's 1916 poem, The Road Not Taken. In high school, I actually wrote a continuation of it for an English assignment, and it was horrible. It, it didn't hold up to the classic at all. In, in my continuation, I wrote about squirrels and how the leaves were changing colors. I would read it here, but all of my documents from high school got wiped out once I graduated. Um, but I love the line in that classic poem, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. I find myself thinking of that line a lot, actually. I like to go hiking, especially when I'm by myself. It's like therapeutic for me. Everyone has their thing and that's mine. And whenever I come to a fork in the road on a trail, I actually do think of that poem. Uh, I'm sure everyone has heard of the phrase, taking the road less traveled on. It's a pretty self-explanatory concept that means to literally choose the path in life that the majority aren't taking. You can relate this concept pretty easily to Christianity. So today we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Here, Jesus is in Judea teaching the people of his word. When a rich man runs up to him, we start in verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Yes, you're probably shocked, out of your mind. I'm not going to read for five more minutes. I do get your feedback. I'm just trying to hold on to your attention. Anyway, human nature is bent on preserving our wealth. Making and keeping our money has been mankind's anthem since before sliced bread. This rich man asked Jesus what it would take to get into heaven. And when Jesus told the man to sell his possessions and give the money he made to the poor, the rich man in that moment walked away from the offer of eternal life. Jesus pointed out that the man had kept the law of Moses, or the Ten Commandments, but Jesus made it clear to him the one thing that was hindering him, his greed. He explained to the man that he should sell his things and give the money to the poor, and to then follow him. Jesus is not telling us here that if you give your money to the poor, then you're saved from your sins. No. 
We can look at a story and make our own judgments and form our conclusions. But Jesus, he looks on the heart. The rich man loved his worldly things. His, quote, great possessions was what eventually kept him from living forever in eternity. Taking up the cross and following Jesus was what would have saved that man. He just wasn't willing to let go of the grip the world had on him. That man was redeemable, but he chose to walk away, back into the wide gate. We're all redeemable. We all have the capability to surrender ourselves. It's just that there are so many distractions and sin that have a hold on us and that steal our attention. So many things that take us away from the things that actually matter, as we talked about last episode. The Christian life is about sacrificing now so that one day we will live forever in glory. The worldly life is about enjoying the pleasures of the world now and dealing with the consequences later. I, I actually heard a quote on TikTok the other day. It said, you choose your pain. And there were two photos. One of a guy struggling in the gym, lifting heavy weights, and he was in pain. The second was a picture of a lazy, overweight guy laying on the couch, watching TV, and eating potato chips. He was also in pain with the miserable existence of his own decisions. Both guys were in pain. Both were struggling there. But one decided to make the right choice that required the determination, strength, and faith. The other made the wrong decision, which requires his time, his energy, and his capability. Don't be the second guy. This is going to sound cliche, but don't go the easy route in life. This will make more sense in a minute. I'm going to center in on faith real quick. Weak men create societies which values are skewed by feelings rather than based on faith. And faith is described in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, like, what does that mean? Let me give you a picture here. I'm going to keep on with the trend of working out. The best way to picture this would be someone who's just starting to work out. The kid who walks into the gym and follows along with a YouTube video on the proper form of squat. That kid has faith that through consistency and determination, His body will be stronger. When that kid goes home after his first workout, his legs are completely shot and he can barely move. But he decides to go back the next day, puts a good hour into the gym, and comes back just defeated. He examines himself in the mirror that second night and sees zero change. Yet the next day, he goes back. Then the next day, He goes back. And then every day for a year, he goes to the gym. One night, he comes home, locks eyes with himself in the mirror, and sees the product of his faith with his own eyes. That night, he finally reaped the reward of continuing after that second night. This guy, he pushed himself to improve. He forced himself to be better. Even when there was no visual evidence seen, his substance was hoped for, and it ultimately paid off. Now, everyone who has done something worth doing has felt the pain of growth. 
whether this is long hours on the job, tough conversations in therapy, or reading the Bible each night, even when you don't feel like it. It's this type of faith that will make someone want to step off the wide gate and the broad street. Now, what does that mean? I used that term earlier. Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14 say, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. 14 says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Let me try and simplify that for you. The way that the majority go through life is comfortable. There's lots of room on this broad street. There's plenty of entertainment to watch on Disney+. Plus. There's plenty of places to get your fix of sex and drugs. We in America especially have mastered the art of being comfortable. Now, let me ask, is there more to this life than being comfy and having constant stimulation? Once a person feels a genuine sense of a lack of purpose, they tend to either fill that void with more things or they search for something different, something they can't see yet hope for. Those people realize that the life of distraction on the broad street leads to destruction. And so they switch lanes onto a path that not too many go down, a path that is narrow and uncomfortable, a harder path with sometimes more challenges and obstacles, a path of sacrifice in this life, but which leads to everlasting life at the end. These people are called Christians, and those who are on the wide path are referred to as the lost. You either suffer now and enjoy later, or you can enjoy now and suffer later. So many people live life on a tab. I mean that people live like heathens on this earth because they feel like they'll just face the punishment when they're dead. And death is when they're 89 years old, so they have 60 years of fun. They say things like, yeah, you only live once, so why not? Uh, some people, they actually realize what's coming for them down the road, and they joke about it and say things like, hey, I'll see you in hell. This has always blown my mind. And I think the truth is that people, they, they don't take hell seriously, or they don't understand what it's actually like. Matthew describes what it's like in Matthew 13, verse 50. It says, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, if that doesn't sound like a fun place to you, let me, let me offer you an alternative with another verse. Matthew 25, verse 46, it says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. Okay, I can talk about heaven and hell forever, uh, but let's get back to our story of the rich man in Mark 10, verse 21. Um, the end of that verse says, Come, take up the cross and follow me. Now, we've established what it means to take up your cross in a previous episode. It's to take up the struggles of being a Christian and carrying it each day because you represent Jesus wherever you go once you bear his name. But carrying that cross 
means that you choose to take the narrow path instead of the comfortable path. I wear a cross around my neck that was once my second cousin's, and once he passed away, it was given to me. That cross does get the attention of others, but I don't wear it for that. I wear it to simply remind myself whose I am, and that reminds me of who I must be. I'm not better than anyone. There's no continuation of that sentence. I am not better than anyone. I just know that the God I serve is perfect in every way, and I'm just trying to be more like him each day. And that should be the goal of every Christian. The world, however, operates by many modern things and the many different distractions of life. Christians operate by the Bible, an ancient text that holds true to this day in every way. It's our light and how we are enlightened on morality because true morality is determined by our creator. In this world, people have basic human desires. Okay, many of those desires are bad and sinful. And since lost people are not in touch with the creator, they have a skewed resemblance of morality. So that means they can justify their sins however they like. A true Christian doesn't have that same liberty once they've been enlightened. Of course, they're still able to sin. I still do all the time, as does anyone who's being truthful. But once a Christian is enlightened on the truth, true morality will cause your heart to feel heavy when you sin against God. You will hear the Holy Spirit in your ear when you sin. My mom always told me that that was evidence that you truly are saved when you feel genuine remorse once you sin. But the point I'm trying to get at is that we as Christians have to be able to do two things, trust in God and have faith in Him. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Becoming a Christian is like you speeding down the wide road. And Jesus actually redirects your life off of the path to destruction and onto the straight and narrow path. The old things that you used to do, all of that sin in your life, while you were on the wide path, you should have the mentality that whatever that sin is, that it's disgusting, that it's putrid. You can't give up these things from your past for a time, but leave it at arm's reach for whenever you want it again. No, it, it says old things have passed away if you are in Christ. The desires of sin will creep back into your mind. Let's be honest, it will. The desire to get back on the comfortable, pleasurable life will allure you, my friend. You have to trust in God's word and have faith in him. Don't turn me off yet. I know that you know that already. Just hear me out. Since us Christians are on this different path from the rest of the world, that means we don't participate in the same things the world does. People my age this weekend are going to parties, drinking, and hooking up. From my experience, most Christians are people, and people still have these base desires. Those three examples may not be your specific desires, but that may be someone else's. Instead of participating in all that, Christians have to deny themselves and trust in God. Put real faith in God's word. Have faith in the Almighty God that depriving yourself from worldly things 
truly does lead to a more virtuous, more fulfilled, and happier life. There's nothing fulfilling about hangovers and risking STDs. You're really not missing out on much. You have to have faith that God's instructions will truly lead to a better life, and you must trust God that he will lead you through the narrow path. The good thing is, Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. My friend, know that Jesus does not change, no matter what mile marker you're at on the narrow path. The creator is with you. In fact, he's within you if you truly accepted him into your life. Here's a fun fact about me. I love running at dusk, just after the sun sets and it starts getting dark. And it's even better if there's a little sprinkle of rain. That's the prime running atmosphere for me. I try and run as much as I can, but it's gotten away from me recently uh, since it's midterm week. But that is my time where it's just me and my music. It's what I do to decompress and clear my mind. Now, I do have a treadmill in my room, but I hardly ever use it because I much prefer running outside where I can feel the cool air and look around as I go. I like to see what's all around me instead of doing my workout in a place where I can't see what's going on externally around me. This can be applied to having faith. The human desire is wanting to know what's going on, to have all the facts laid out on the table and feel in control of the situation. One thing I've noticed in my time being a Christian is that we were supposed to counter the world's reasoning and desires. If some dude walks up to you, slaps you across the face, we've learned to slap him across the face, fight back. Jesus says no. If you get slapped in the face, turn the other cheek. Now, giving your life to Christ actually means giving up your way of doing things. And instead, you're replacing your way with how your creator intended you to live. He intended you to live faithful and trust in him, no matter what's down the road in your future. The straight and narrow path is not a joy ride. You, you won't always be able to always see what's around you. Sometimes you'll be in a situation where you can't see what's going on. You can't understand why you're going through this. You're not in control of the situation. Yet you choose to continue on your journey and keep your faith in the Almighty. So as a Christian, you're not going to know all the answers. You're not always going to feel in control. You will be tempted. You will stumble. You will fall. But God is with you through it all. The highs and the lows, he is by your side. And the way I see it, you really only have two options. As Robert Frost put it, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. The Bible verse for this week is Matthew 7, verse 14. It says, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And remember, you are loved, you are custom-made, and you are redeemable. <laughs>